Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast, another emergency edition. Uh, it's been a few weeks. I haven't even done a Ryder Cup podcast here. I did I did one on Shane Ryan's podcast uh, last week, but um, I know you guys are probably ready for some Ryder Cup takes. I'm ready for some Ryder Cup takes. I'm ready to talk about the big news that broke today. Tiger Woods has officially announced his probable return at the Safeway Open. Uh, Rory McIlroy has won his first PGA Tour event of the season. Here with us to help break it down. Finally, 52 episodes in. We've talked about this for a long time. Managing editor at SwingbySwing.com, Chris Cheney. You know him as Wrong Fairway at Wrong underscore Fairway on Twitter. Chris, what's going on today, man? Hey, Solid. Good to be here. Are you as jacked up about the Tiger news as I am? I mean, I, first of all, I, I'm overstating how jacked up I am. We knew he was going to come back. I thought he was going to wait until the hero. But um, are people justified to be as excited as they are today? I mean, I think so. I mean, this morning when I'm sitting there, I got Tiger on text alert for his his twitter on my phone i'm such a fanboy and i was sitting there uh i think i was on the phone with my wife buying bangles gear for this for the opener on sunday uh she had me on facetime looking at bangles stuff and i got a text and almost kind of just like jumped out of my chair and started running around in circles hung up on her on accident it was it was just full fanboy that was not on accident you could be honest here this is a safe place well i need i well i needed the people need to know what i thought so i got on twitter and said something ridiculous like tiger's back or something that was completely meaningless but well, no, yeah, you, I think you were, you and I were the only ones to tweet anything in, in, like in anywhere close to that. So I think that it was, it was well worth hanging up on your wife for. I would Absolutely. say. Absolutely, yeah, she, she understands. Yeah, she, she if she told, if she knew it was related to the big cat, she, she would have to, and she knows who she's married to. Then I think uh, that's exactly what she signed up for. So, so no, Mrs. Cheney, sorry, I don't feel bad for you in this scenario. So, um, <laughs> Are we? I mean, what are we expecting from Tiger when he comes back? Again, he said he hopes to return Safeway October thirteenth. Um, I don't like to talk too much Tiger, but I think I mean we've waited over a year for this. I think it's very fair game to start talking about it. So, um, are you? Do you see this as kind of a look? I'm going to play a little bit, a little bit in the off season. He knows he's going to get a ton of attention on it, but is this kind of a ploy to keep his sponsors? Happy to make it look like he's working towards a comeback, or do you think he's really ready to? I'm not going to say win, but I would say like at least be competitive and make cuts at professional golf tournaments again. I mean, do you remember Augusta? We were we were on like bated breath waiting to see if he was going to play in Augusta in April. Um, that there was even rumors out there that he was considering it. Then makes you think this is the safe play, and he should be at least somewhat capable of putting something together. Uh, but after kind of that initial, you're kind of going crazy, running around circles in your living room. Um, you kind of think, like, when was the last time we saw Tiger? It's the Wyndham from last year. And then what happened before that? It was like he was blasting people in Phoenix from the bunker. <laughs> and it's kind of like, it's almost like a little reality check. Like, we get the Tiger Tuesdays from Sarson. We get your little your um, thing on 15 from Augusta where he's, he's hitting balls to three feet uh, for Eagle. And then you realize that's not the Tiger we left. And it's kind of just like, what are we going to get? It's 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 scary um, as a Tiger fan, but it's it's really exciting just to kind of have him back and at least yeah have something new to kind of think about instead of worrying about him showing up at Sam's career day. See, for me, the Wyndham like restored a lot, right? Because I mean, like I don't know about you in 2010, 2011 when he went through that horrible spell, I had written him off. I was done with him. Like he's never going to be the same again. Blah blah blah. And he came back in 12 and 13 and had excellent seasons. I think it was player of the year, one of those years, at one eight times, etc. And I vowed to never count him out again. And I never panicked in 2014. I just said, you know, you know, he'll snap out of it, snap out of it. He never really did. And then 2015, he played well at the Masters, and that was pretty much it until he was tied for the lead going into the final round of the Wyndham last year. And that was, to me, kind of like my moment again to be like, don't ever, ever, ever count this guy out. But... Part of me thinks, and uh, and I don't have the, I don't know. Obviously, I'm not hanging out with Tiger playing Call of Duty with him, but I don't. I just get the impression from what I've been reading and and people close to him. I just don't think he's working that hard. Do you think that's a fair statement to make? I think it's a 
an evolution for him. I think it's been kind of talked about a lot. You hear uh, his boy Noda talking about the evolution of him as a father, him as a um, an ex-husband, whatever you want to call it. It's just the evolution of his life has taken on a different path than he kind of came out thinking it would. And uh, I mean, like you mentioned, the Wyndham, he hits that flop shot and holds it. It's just like there's vintage Tiger. He's back, and we're always gonna. I think we're always gonna have those glimpses every once in a while just because he's tiger and he's just supremely talented and better than pretty much anybody else who's picked up a club in the last 20 years so we're going to get glimpses from him it's just a matter of if he can hold it together that's the whole thing from when he was kind of teasing us a little bit he couldn't put four rounds together he couldn't play on the weekends at majors he couldn't chip the ball and then it's just a matter of does he work that hard probably not as much as he was because he's not a singular focus anymore he has his two kids that by all accounts, he's uh, he's the best, one of the best fathers in the world. If you have <laughs> his buddies, so he's father of the year every year. Tiger, he's and then and then he's chipping in his backyard and he falls over and he has to have his daughter come out and call for help because he's paralyzed on the ground or whatever. So I think the the notion that he's not working as hard is probably a fair one and an understandable one, but it doesn't mean I don't think that we we're not going to get the the glimpses of Tiger, even the weeks of, of great vintage Tiger. I just don't think the the eight wins, the ten win seasons are ever going to come back, which is not necessarily um, surprising. I don't think anybody thought he could hold that standard for the rest of his life. It's just, I mean, sports. It just doesn't work that way. Um, but the, that we that we completely write him off, I think, is a little premature. Just knowing kind of what he showed us in the past, but um, to be cautiously optimistic, I don't think it's too far off base. I want to clarify my statement here about saying that I think he can at least come back. Is I think his absolute highest ceiling is what we saw in 2012-2013, right? I mean, the free-swinging Tiger of the early 2000s and even late 90s, like even into the late 2000s, is not ever coming back. It's a completely different golf swing. He can't, his body is not capable of swinging it the way he did there. But the way he retooled his swing under Foley and was still able to be successful under a swing that I think really, really limited him, uh, I just think that the, uh, the fact that he's shown his ability to do it with so many different swings makes me think that I don't want to ever fully count him out. The thing that was just so scary the year, last year was how bad his bad shots were. Like The shots you don't see any professional golfers hit. Blading the ball all over the place. Chunking shots at the hero. I think that was in 2014. Um, and then topping three woods at the U.S. Open. I mean, that was just so unbelievably bad that you just wanted to, like, he just has to be, I mean, when, when I take time off golf, I maybe will hit one top three wood every three months, but my name's not Tiger Woods, so I just think that, uh, you know, he, he's lowered the ceiling so high, I'm not ruling out that he can get there, obviously the deck is kind of stacked against him, but, um, I mean, it's going to it's gonna be interesting to watch, it definitely is, if, even if he's around making cuts, that, that is, uh, that, that's infinitely more exciting than him being on the sidelines, would you agree? Oh, I think without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about 2013. He won five times, played 16 tournaments that year. Jeez. Um, it's ridiculous. It, like, that, even that, it's like five times, it's like, eh, whatever, Tiger, he, he won like, what, seven or eight in a row at one point in his career. Um, but you think about this shit. I mean, it's Tiger Woods, and then it's, he's never going to do that to the, then, like you said, the, the early, around the turn of the century kind of stuff. He's not going to be swinging be hitting these ridiculous cut swings that are not necessary when he hit him in the first place. His body just literally can't handle it. So, I mean, I don't think we're. I think we get a, a different Tiger. I think it's kind of the evolution we were hoping for. Tiger post scandal was more of a a guy who's a little under control, who's going to use his skill and experience to kind of plot his way around a golf course as opposed to just overpowering it. Just by virtue of there's people who can hit it further than him, um, and. But they don't outthink him. No one outthinks Tiger, and that was kind of his whole thing. That's one of the things that we always kind of wondered when he was coming back is how is his mental state? Is he available or is he able to kind of use what he knows um, around Augusta? Obviously, it's shown it's it's shown how he can do that in just other places. He could he can use his experience to kind of make up for the shortcomings that come with age, um, injury, and all the other stuff. I think it's just a matter of we need to be as fans and kind of um, people who love the game, we need to lower our expectations just because when somebody leaves for a while, you don't think about, uh, you don't think about kind of Jordan on the Wizards with the, that, but you think about maybe if you think of Jordan on the Wizards, you think of that two hand block he had <laughs> off the back where he just picked it off. That's the only thing you remember from that. You don't remember 
um, him kind of just like sitting on the bench with Gerald Henderson or something like that, or Richard Rip Hamilton. But I, so. I will say, I think, uh, it, I hope it Jordan with the Wizards is a realistic, like, I actually made this, that, that point, like back in 24, whenever he had his last comeback, whatever it was, uh, People people don't remember how good Jordan was with, that, with the Wizards. Like at age thirty nine and forty, like when he was forty, he played eighty two games and averaged like twenty a game or something like ridiculous like that. So I think I, I know that that wasn't your overall point, but if we get like Jordan with the Wizards out of Tiger, I'll be pretty happy with that. I think like you know competing here and there and still being a top player in the game despite being overage. I mean, golf is a game where you can play. Like Phil's going to turn fifty in about three years or so, and he's you know still putting up. One of the best five potential major performances of all time this year. Like the life of a golfer is, is very long. I know he's got a lot of health issues to make us think that he it, it'll be different for him. But I mean, who's to say he won't be healthy in six years, like six years from now, and still playing well? I don't know. I just think that there's so much time left still. There's a lot of scar tissue there, literally and figuratively. But um, yeah, I mean, it's gonna be. We're gonna do the whole circus again. We're gonna be live tweeting this practice rounds and. Uh, we're going to, when he gets to two under, we're going to freak out. And when he bogeys two in a row, we'll freak out. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Yeah. Cameras at parking spots, all that other good stuff. <laughs> what I didn't understand was people saying today, like a few people saying like, Oh, look, like I'm sure announce this now and overshadow the Ryder cup. It's like, uh, okay. Would you rather have waited closer to the Ryder cup or right after when he's got like uh, thir- 10 days before he needs to be there? Like, I don't, I don't understand people criticizing the timing of the announcement. Yeah, the question becomes now, does he play in the Ryder Cup Captain's Challenge? See if we can oh. fawn over him a little bit early and see if we can get some stuff from him there. But, I mean, the, the thought that he's overshadowing the Ryder Cup is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, he's, they make the, the picks next Monday. That'll kind of restart the whole Ryder Cup cycle. This is kind of a perfect timing. So so what he overshadows the first round of the BMW tomorrow. It's a Thursday, uh, it's a Thursday start to a tournament that's the same night as the NFL kicks off. If anybody's paying attention to golf, as is, um, that's, a, that's a blessing for the PGA Tour. Who's going to write the column, that um, the, the headline, like, you thought Jim Furyk was going to be the captain's pick, or the assistant captain that was going to be the captain's pick. Now a new candidate emerges, my column, Tiger you, Woods for captain. You're going to write that. Oh, yeah, I already, started, write that. I already started it, yeah. So. <laughs> um, all right, I think we'll talk a little bit about Tiger with the Ryder Cup in a second, but I want to first also debrief. Huge week, jeez. Monday, Deutsche Bank Championship, Roy McIlroy, final round, 65, I believe, 600 par for his first win of the season. Of course, he's putted like he's on the deck of the Titanic the entire season. Ryder Cup month rolls along three weeks out, and he catches fire with a new putter, and the U.S. team's now doomed again. We'll, tr- we'll talk about Ryder Cup in a second. But, um, I mean, I, wouldn't it be kind of ironic, or I, I don't know if ironic's the right word, but if this is the year that Rory finally wins the FedEx Cup when it's not been his best season and he's had some incredible seasons where it's kind of gotten taken from him at the Tour Championship, I know people don't really care about the, who is the FedEx Cup champion, but I couldn't help but think, like, wow, could this be the year that Rory comes out of nowhere to win this thing And uh, when it would look like it was a season that was not lost by any means, but uh, definitely one of his, uh, the way he looks at it with zero wins, one of the weaker weaker seasons. So what do you have any big major takeaways from seeing Rory come back and run run uh, Paul Casey down on the final day? Yeah, I mean, I'm, if, if it wasn't for Tiger, I'd be the biggest Rory fan. Uh, I just think he's, his best is so good, and uh, you and I saw it up up close at Memorial earlier this year. Just watching him, the effortless power he puts to the ball, and then if he, it's always it's the putting with him. He's always he's been a streaky putter, and, and it works, and he wins. Um, but it seems like now he's got with Phil Kenyon, uh, the, his new putting coach. It seems like they, I don't know if it's something that's a a, a harbinger for what's to come, but it's obviously a good start. Uh, but just Rory is he's just so talented. It's amazing. That's kind of what you keep hearing about. He has a new putting coach, and he puts it all, and it clicks one week uh, right away. And he's, he, he comes out and says he's trying to get this figured out by Augusta next year. He wins three days later. <laughs> so, But, I mean, just him him hitting that, almost holing out for, for Albatross on, on Sunday, um, and then just coming after Casey from six back. And I mean, by the time he made the turn, he was tied for the lead, uh, with a little help from Casey, obviously. But still, he, he picked up six shots, or four shots, five shots, whatever it was, by that time. So... Uh, I, I mean, of course, it, of course, like you said, it, it happens just right now in, in the middle of a, in the middle of Ryder Cup lead-up season, and then he wins, like you said, another tournament here, either this week or in two weeks at Atlanta. 
and he's got ten more, ten million more bucks to to throw towards that wedding. <laughs> Secret wedding. We never hear anything about his relationship anymore. I wonder if that's by design, but. Um, I think you mentioned it when you said that we saw it up close and personal at the Memorial this year. And I th- I've always had a big man crush on Rory. I think we kind of all have. Um, and I don't really know how to describe it. I think I, we, you and I tried to talk about it when we were there. Like The ball just felt like it was on a string for him. And I forget what he shot that day. I think it was 68 or 67. Um, did it without really being able to even putt that day. But... I've just, and he didn't even look that pleased with the way he was hitting the ball, and I've never really seen somebody just be in that much control. He didn't hit it that high. Just the ball just had this soft little draw to it. Um, he had a drive off 17 that I don't mean. I'm not sure it's on camera. Just the the, the club twirl he threw at that ball, and it went like 380 yards or something. And uh, I don't know. I just became mesmerized. He he stood out the most between JT Spieth and and him that day. I think to both of us, and I I. I I don't know. I feel like I kind of lost faith in him there for a while. I just kind of wondered when we would we would really see him come back. I know his 2014 year, he had like a really fluky good wedge year. And just kind of thought, like, did we see like a way better side of him than we're ever going to see again? But, I mean, did this win change any of your thoughts on him? Or we're just kind of like, all right, now finally he's back. It's almost like you think he's going to turn into a, a Stenson type. But, like, I mean, a, a more talented Stenson, if you will. He's... he's like you said, he hits the ball so pure and so far and so straight, it's unbelievable. And if he just like stents in that trune, if you put it together on the greens for a day or two even, um, you can overcome even I think Stenson had two days at Trune where he was negative strokes game putting and he but then he goes out and goes unconscious on Sunday and just crushes Phil's soul and I mean I think Rory can do that just because he out he out ball strikes people so often if he gets anything, a stroke a day on the greens and he's it's like Hideki Matsuyama and Sarson when he talks about if if, if Hideki can ever putt once one week for four days or even two days out of four, he's gonna he's gonna lap field just because he hits it so well. But Rory I think is the total package and um, obviously when he gets hot he gets super hot and he's not scared to kinda go low, uh, like Furic low, your boy. My boy, <laughs> making a transition there. I think. Uh, I, I think one 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 other note. I don't. I'm trying to find a tweet that I saw on it. Um, I don't remember what it was, but Jason Day has given up shots to the field off the tee in each of the last two events. Um, I, I think it's unfair if I was like, are we are we uh, calling the end of the Jason Day era? Um, I think it was only natural for him to come down for the whatever seven eight month stretch that he had. It was just out of this world. But uh, do we? I guess his season's going to be. We're more concerned about American and European players at this point. This being a Ryder Cup year, and there will be only two events left in the year. But is that cause for concern in your opinion? Anything that you're seeing out of Jason Day lately? No, I mean, I think it was Kyle Porter who put up the stat about his strokes gained putting that he's. Uh, the second, the guy second in strokes game putting is closer to whoever's in 25th than they are to Jason Day. Yeah. Which is, I mean, and that's kind of the, the speed thing. I know, I know you're a big uh, truther on, well, obviously it's, it's truth. So that he's not nearly the poor ball striker that people like to make him out to be. But right. the fact that he can, that he can kind of save some rounds or cobble together, um, maybe a, a, something where he's not on with, with the putter is, kind of the great equalizer, and I know the, the strokes gained um, kind of bear out the, the truth of how important the long game is, but there's still truth to a one hot round can save a poor ball striking round as long as the ball striking kind of comes back. So I don't think it's anything to, to be too concerned about. Um, I don't think it's to worry about Jason Day switching teachers or anything like that, obviously, with, with Cole Swatton and stuff in their relationship. So um, I don't know if he can kind of maintain that level he had. That I mean, it was really a historic level that he was on for the last couple months and going back to last year. Uh, so I don't know if that how realistic it is to believe that he can maintain that, but to think that he can't get back to that level um, at least semi-regularly, I think, is not is not uh, giving him the credit he deserves. Somebody pointed this out to me today. I posted over a mailbag with Ryder Cup questions, and I was leaning heavily on strokes gained to, uh, to kind of help me fill in the, the remaining players on the U.S. team. And then somebody pointed out to me, and I can't believe I never thought of this, how many events throughout the year are not tracked on strokes gained, right? I mean, the fall, a lot of the fall series are not tracked in strokes gained. A lot of the majors aren't. I think at least three of them, right? I don't know. Do, 
is the British Open, and I know the U.S. Open's not. Maybe they have PJ Tour has those stats, but don't make them available. But uh, I think I've, I may have to like completely redo all my analysis because I was pushing hard for like guys like Bubba and Kucher who are up there in the top like eight in strokes gained. But um, I forget that you're not looking at a complete data set, and when you're look, when you're looking at that. But I mean, Day's putting season that he's had. I mean, I think Kyle pointed out as well, it's like the greatest putting season since strokes gained became a stat. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, I, just, I, it's nuts. It's just how, how well he puts. And he makes, he seems to make one of those 25, 30 footers like once every nine holes. Yeah. And, and I just, but that just caused me to wonder out. And that's with any streak, though. How long can something like that last? I mean, it, it can't, that can't be a true reflection of his putting ability. He very well may be the best putter in the game. But I mean, I think this is like, his Tiger 2000 season of putting. And ironically, I don't think Tiger's 2000 season was this good of putting. So, right. um, I, I wonder if the, if the, if the, you know, weakened ball striking at, at this point in the season, maybe he's just getting worn down from all the fatigue all season long and all the illnesses and the, all the things that he's overcome. But, um, Oh, I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you. I, it's, it's the FedEx cup, even in non rider cup years kind of gets brushed under the rug. It's interesting. Uh-huh. I mean, it's kind of fun to see, uh, it just becomes kind of I'm nauseating is not the right word, but just boring how much the tour presses like who's fault who's sneaking in the top seventy this week and I just I just don't really care about any of that. Especially like the fact that, you know, it seems to whoever's winning the right the, the standings or leading the standings is usually the guy that wins the most recent playoff event and um but I I mean is there anything that's happening in the playoffs right now that's changing your outlook on on the Ryder Cup at this point? I don't know if it's changing my outlook. It's kind of boosting my confidence with our boy P. Reed just kind of just killing it every week. I mean, he T5 last week rather quietly coming off, as, especially for being, like you mentioned, the, I don't know how, if it's the, that the PGA Tour isn't too keen on kind of uh, pumping him up a little bit just with kind of the decisive person that he is. Uh, but he's he's leading the, leading the FedEx Cup. He comes in fifth last week. I mean, I know we got Rory. Um, kind of chasing somebody down it's, it's really intriguing and uh good tv by itself but um i mean with reed i think reed and spieth i think is the biggest no-brainer like at all in, in everything all year this year if davis love doesn't put them out first every time um it doesn't make any sense to me i mean and then spieth seems to be coming into form um i think it's just i think more with this year especially Ryder cup year like you mentioned the fedex cup adds a different kind of scouting or maybe um we pay, we pay more attention to who's kind of trending in the right direction at this point than we normally would. Uh, just because of FedEx Cup, like you said, we, we've had our four majors. Uh, we had the Olympics this year. It just seems like there's so much stuff going on. And we, we want a little bit of a, a little breather before we get to the to the, the Ryder Cup. And we got at least we got some compelling golf, at least so far, through the, through the playoffs with Reed um, and Rory. And now we got Spieth kind of on the uptick. You mentioned Jason Day kind of falling off, but no one gives a shit about him because he's Australian this yeah. year. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's just it's just kind of given us more of an idea of a better as as the Ryder Cup gets more uh, gets a, turns into a bigger event and we care more about it. The FedEx Cup gives us another kind of little scouting session to to, to talk about picks, to look at who's turning in the right direction, and then kind of give us a better idea of what we should expect at Hazeltine. Yeah, let me let me uh, let me backtrack a bit on this because I'm pulling up Day's recent results, and his recent results are second at the PGA, tied for fourth at the Barclays, and tied for fifteenth at the Deutsche Bank. So to say that I'm overblowing this would be uh, quite an under understatement, I think. Actually, so let me just withdraw everything. I, I just thought it was concerning that uh, it, that uh, I forget who I was, was following on Twitter that was pointing out that he was just ble- hemorrhaging shots off the tee. Well, um, he he said that he was talking about it after the round. Okay. Um, he said he hit he had six penalties or something like that. Oh, he man. finished at eight under. So that take out those six penalties that he's or even half of those he's in the hunt. He's fourteen under. Rory finishes at what fifteen or sixteen. He's right there. So I mean, there, there's definitely something to be said about how loose he was off the tee last week. But still, it's not like he's uh yeah. he's hanging hanging around the cut line or something like that. I take it back and I predict that he's going to win the FedEx Cup. Going <laughs> go. FedEx. Um, <laughs> All right, so we're sitting here. It's it's September seventh. Davis Love is going to make his first three captains picks next Monday, the twelfth. Um, if you were to guess who his three picks are going to be Monday at this point, what would you predict? I think Ricky's the only lock. Okay. Um, I think he's just. 
I know people are worried about the task force, and I think you guys kind of dispel the, the, the rumor of the task force, that it's no longer the task force, now it's a Ryder Cup um, committee or some shit like that. Yeah. But it's not really – I think his involvement with the whole thing is – shouldn't be overlooked. Um, also, his – kind of he's, he's at least shown um, some kind of form recently uh, with, with how – his his uh, his fade at the Barclays, notwithstanding, but um, he's shown some form and he's right there on the cut. Um, I mean, the Bubba thing is interesting. I think obviously Hazel team sets up well for him. I don't see. I don't know if he's gonna get the nod. Just kind of knowing what you said about captains aren't necessarily too high on him. Um, not sure exactly where he fits, with the exception of maybe Zach Johnson in terms of friends on the Ryder Cup team, and then Ricky. If he makes it too, uh, and then you got your boy Furyk down there. I don't think I think Furyk's uh, if he doesn't get picked on on Monday, he's uh, on the outside looking in for sure. Just as he kind of falls out of sight, out of mind. So to answer the question, I think it's Ricky. Um, don't want to disappoint Trump, but I think Kuchar's in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, if it's up to me, I'm I'm looking at JV Holmes, Berger, or Ryan Moore. And I think just given. Uh, Given Holmes's kind of makeup for the Ryder Cup, obviously we only have a, a short, a small sample size with him, but I think he sets up well for Hazeltine. I think he's a uh, he's playing well enough at the right time to kind of keep uh, keep the get this pick right now. If he shows out well this week, I think for sure he's he's that third pick. Okay, I I, uh, I think it's good thought process. I'm with you on um, Fowler. I think Fowler's a lock to be picked on Monday. I think Kucher is also a lock to be picked. I predicted that the third pick on Monday will be Bubba. That was until I talked to somebody who said that, like you just mentioned briefly, and I wrote about this in the mailbag, that uh, the captains are not too high on Bubba, and at least Love and at least one assistant captain are big on J.B. Holmes, which I'm not following really at all. I'm not, I'm not even close to understanding what J.B. Holmes gives you that Bubba doesn't. I mean, but yeah, J.B. Holmes is really long off the tee. So is Bubba Watson, and Bubba is a hell of a lot better approaching the green than J.B. Holmes is, and he's better putt. I mean, well, putting's kind of a wash. They're both they're both losing strokes on the green and putting, but I, and, and maybe it's such such a big personality difference, and that and again, Bubba's three and eight in the Ryder Cup. I do understand that, but I'm, I'm just I don't understand. J.B. Holmes is not playing well. He's not had a great season. He is like 33rd amongst Americans in strokes gained for the entire season. I don't understand this at all, other than he played on a winning team in 2008. But, I mean, what, 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 is, what does J.B. give you that Bubba doesn't? Can you help me out here? I mean, you mentioned, I think Bubba, I mean, I don't see much difference, like, in personality, really. With, I mean, I don't know who J.B. kind of vibes with that, that's necessarily kind of... Um, really makes more sense than Bubba. I know, but you know, Bubba has his little clicks of people and stuff like that, but who, I mean, JB, he just, he never seems like he's like anywhere with anybody. I mean, obviously we don't know anything about him yeah. as far as kind of his real, his real life and all that other stuff. But I mean, if I think Kuchar and Fowler make sense for chemistry form reasons, um, Kuchar more than Fowler in terms of form, but just Fowler just as, I mean, let's face it. It's a TV event. He's a, he's a, he's a draw. Uh, Kuchar makes sense from a from a teammate standpoint. He can you can put him with anybody. Um, he might lack pop, but he he finds fairways, um, makes putts with that weird putter grip he has. And then so I mean, if it were up to me, if I just had my druthers, I mean, I'd go Fowler Kuchar and then just go off the board, go somewhere like I love Berger. Um, I just think he's an OG. I think he's just money all the time, vibing. Um, Ryan Moore is interesting for me, but he's the same deal as JB Holmes. He's kind of like an unknown as far as personality fits and that kind of stuff to kind of the, the the normal golf fan. So obviously these guys, Davis Love, Stricker, um, Furyk, and, and, and Tiger have a better idea of who these guys are. But I mean, I don't know why, if we're, if we're going to actually change the, the whole situation around the U S Ryder cup team, why not just shake it up completely? And I think the, the problem with that whole line of thinking is Davis Love and Furyk and Stricker, they have friends out there and it, realistically this is one week out of the year of their lives don't get me wrong it's an important week but you don't want to alienate a friendship like kind of Clark was playing at before he picked his boy Westwood so I mean I think the idea is great to kind of shake everything up but the uh, 
the actual doing of what they say is probably not going to happen. Yeah, what you just said is, I think, carries a lot more weight than I've realized in the past and starting to realize more. And this, the friendship thing is a real thing. And, I mean, it's like if I'm yeah, – it's not, it's not a great parallel, but, like, if I'm picking uh, – let's say we put throw 12 guys together, say I know eight people really well, and we want to pick six on six teams, like for a golf match – Chances are I'm going to lean towards a buddy than a guy that I don't know that well. That's just that's just how it goes. And you, this is somebody that you have built up in your head that you may trust more in a situation than, than it's deemed worthy. But like for guys like Moore and for maybe to lesser sake Woodland, guys that have been around for a while and have had good seasons but not really breakout seasons, I just have a hard time seeing love go that deep when – those guys aren't sticking out enough. I feel like to pick a guy that hasn't been there before, the guy's got to really stick out and have something that you're missing from that team. And the ironic thing is, with all this talk of task force, all this new blood, all this stuff, there's a very good chance we end up with exactly one rookie on the team, and that's Brooks Kepka, who a guy should have been on the President's Cup team last year, could have even de- deserved a consideration for to be on the Ryder Cup team in 2014, um, and should have experience in this, but doesn't. That's a separate argument. But... We're going to end up with all these same guys that, especially if Furyk gets picked, all these same guys have been all these losing teams, and it's like we're going to look back and say, what was the point of all this task force? But um, I mean, of that Berger Woodland um, Moore group, I mean, it sounds like you're going DB straight vibe, and I'm on board with that. I locked in uh, him as one of my picks, which I did that erroneously when he was leading the Deutsche Bank Championship, and of course he faded outside like the top 40 after I said that. But I was aware that that could happen, and I'm still sticking with that. I think he fits the mold of a young guy that they need to add to the team. But um, is there anyone else you're, you're willing to go off the board and pick at this point? And, and, and to a certain extent, I'm not lock, locking in all my picks until I absolutely have to. Our opinions could change by next week. Right. But as of, this, as of this moment, is there anyone else that's like sticking out at you? I mean, if you want me to go super off the board, I was out playing some golf here in Cincinnati a couple weeks ago. Brett Wedrick, say it. Two, two groups ahead of me. Your yes. boy, your boy was out there just bombing it. Uh, <laughs> I knew as soon as you said Cincinnati, who it was going to be. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Me and me and Brett play out of the same club, man. We are. This is this is West Side till I die, Cincinnati. <laughs> and I I always take exception with you just slamming my guy. But no, but seriously, I mean, just looking down the list, um, there's some there's some uh, something to be said for Nah. I think a little bit just out of a, a playability or play with ability. Thing um, for the opponents, but I mean, honestly, I couldn't kind of rationalize doing that. Duffner loved the guy, but I, don't, I just don't see it. Um, I mean, you get you get to Berger at 16 on the points list right now. Um, I mean, he he makes the most sense as, as a justifiable reach, and like we mentioned that that friendship element, which I think is you mentioned too. That it's a little bit underplayed here. I think it's it's going to be a huge factor, um, a safety net factor, and I think Jake Nichols kind of mentioned these picks while they're while they're interesting and fun kind of debate water cooler fodder, they really don't have too much of a actual impact on who's going to win or not. It's like a 5% variance between all these guys, obviously given how, how good all of them are. So I think if, like you mentioned, we have Brooks as the lone rookie. Why not kind of put out a, put out a feeler for some of these younger guys? I don't know if JT, um, as much as we both love him, I don't know if, if he kind of has played to – deserve that kind of look but i mean if we're going if we're going to not take all this kind of this talk and actually put it into practice why not kind of look at some of these guys like a burger or a or a jt or a nah or just some some fresh blood a little bit uh, but i mean i think that's all wishful thinking i think we we all know kind of where this is going this is going kind of chalky old guy friendship circle of trust kind of stuff yeah and one of the guys i talked to um he, the comment he gave me was like, you know, I, 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 he's like, if it was up to me, guy like, I, I, I like Burger a lot, but he's not one of the boys. And I was like, wow, it's just kind of funny to hear to hear that be that be said. Like, how much you know people are aware of this like click that does matter when it comes time to make picks. But um, Even, I mean, if you think about it, though, what three weeks ago, four weeks ago in Rio, um, the four Americans were down there, and Reed was playing by himself outside of that threesome. And he was eight at the time, and we were t- they were talking about maybe he's not one of the boys, and if he doesn't get in and on um, kind of automatic qualification, he's not necessarily a lock. And then obviously he's he's backed that up in the last few weeks. But 
um, a couple weeks ago. That was that was a real that was a real concern concerning Reed. I I would have so first of all if that would have happened, <laughs> Reed would have he would have denounced the citizenship, and I would have as well. I would be draped in a European flag, rooting for Team Europe if he was not selected as a captain's pick. And I heard some of that chatter as well. I think. There, there should never have been more of a lock in the history of the Ryder Cup captain's picks than Patrick Reed would have been to, for that spot. I mean, uh, again, the point system so silly and arbitrary. We're talking about a guy that showed out the President's Cup, showed out only guy that is the MVP of that team in 2014, the exact flesh, fresh blood we needed. Um, it would have been absolutely asinine if he didn't get a captain's pick. So, yes, I would have been uh, – I would have started a revolution. I would have – I would have hopefully he just – uh, I don't know if he goes start playing for the internationals in the in in the Presidents Cup or just start his own country. I don't know what he would have done, but uh, he would have denounced his citizenship. Hopefully, but um, I think this is the part where I think everyone is waiting for me to make the case for JT. And I talked about it again in the mailbag, and I'm going to recycle some things from the mailbag. So just I don't I don't care if you're annoyed by that. Um, uh, I, I think if it was up to me. Um, short of him winning one of these last two events, and I know it shouldn't be that short-sighted, but I think that that could uh, that kind of confidence could really, you know, as cheesy as it, as, it, as it sounds, like light a fire under him, and he, it could really have an impact on the team. Outside of a win in these final two events, he would not be a captain's pick for me. Um, I just I, I still think he needs to be included in the conversation because of how much uh, Davis Love has talked about him in press conferences and how much he's been on his radar. He and Love do have a relationship, and <clears throat> I know that Love like really does actually want to pick him. Like he does want to pick him, and he's kind of waiting. He needs it to be justified at this point. And if he has, finishes with two top fives or you know shows signs in these last two events, and no one else really steps up, there is still that chance that he gets that final pick. Maybe goes out once or twice in four ball. I'm not, I'm not guessing he's going to go out three times. I'm not guessing he's going to go out in foursomes. Um, and I, again, it, it kind of just fits that it, it wouldn't make a ton of sense if you're looking at the numbers. Um, and he's not really played well enough this year, I don't think, to justify the spot. But those factors that I just mentioned, I think it still could happen. Do you think I'm uh, like, too far outside the box with that? No. I mean, if, if, if we're going to kind of say the Horschel rule is in effect for Horschel, obviously, so he's he's kind of the same boat. I think he tweeted something out um, earlier this week that. Short of him winning a tournament, he doesn't really feel that he may have earned his way on the team. I think if you caught uh, JT in an honest moment, he'd say the same thing. Obviously, both of them want to uh, get on the team, play for play for America, that kind of stuff, just a patriotism fact. And I think Thomas um, kind of spoke to it last year when people asked him if he would rather be on a winning Ryder Cup team or win a major, and it's one of those stupid hypotheticals. But given his background with his dad being a PGA of America pro, um, kind of his involvement um, around the Ryder Cup growing up, it's just something that's special to him. I think that's maybe that's it's not as important as I kind of want to make it out to be, but I think the, kind of the want to is a is a is like a real thing. And I think if um, I mean, do you want to take a Scott Piercy or no. uh, William McGirt? Do you trust? I mean, do you trust those guys to play better than you do Justin Thomas? Not really, like, and honestly, not at all, really. So why not? I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna give all this mouth service. To, to this new blood, why don't we... I'm fine taking a Fowler and a Kuchar. I think that's kind of just a, a foregone conclusion at this point. These guys are... They're, they're, they're old got old faces that you know that are recognizable, but with the exception of Brooks, like you mentioned, why not kind of just go deeper? They don't have to play all these sessions. They can play two or three, uh, two or three times, and maybe they maybe you catch lightning in a bottle with them. Maybe they kind of... you put Maybe put Berger with, with Fowler or with Spieth or with one of those guys from... Um, that he kind of came up with. I think Berger and, and Kepko would be a fun uh, a pairing. I think that would be really cool to see. And just why not just, if you're going 11 and 12, um, why not Why not just make a little reach? As far as JT, I mean, I, I don't, I think I'm with you. I don't know if he, he if, if what you're saying is true, like Love wants to pick him, JT has to give him a reason to pick him. Yeah. So it's kind of, kind of put up or shut up time for him. And I think it's not necessarily anything, that's uh, to kind of knock him. It's just a factor of how he's played this year. What's who else is in front of him, and he needs to do something to kind of rationalize it. That make that love can rationalize it by picking him. Yeah, and just back up one of the things you said. Uh, Tron has actually indicated. And I don't know the story of this at all, but DB Straight Vibin and BK apparently don't get along. I don't know what the story know. is. I don't know what the I, story is there. 
I would imagine that also would factor in if I don't know how severe that relation that story is or whatnot, but um, I would imagine that may factor in as well. If there if there's two guys with a known conflict, um, although I know that we have two guys already that are automatically qualified for this team that have a known conflict, um, I have no idea who you're talking about. I'm sure you don't. I'm sure you can't figure that one out. But they, they both have beards that kind of eerily look similar. And major champions, I think, as well oh. this year. So. Oh, this year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, of course, we're talking about Danny Willett and uh, Henrik Stenson. But anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those European Eskimo brothers. If, <laughs> if you haven't, if you like, if, unsubscribe from this podcast if you haven't <laughs> figured this out yet, by the way. So subtle. Um, of the eight guys that are automatic qualifiers for the U.S. team, are there any guys you would like to see ejected from the team? Totally, I'm not setting you up for anything on this I question. Know. <laughs> I know you want me to say Zach Johnson, and I, I agree. But I also, I'm not, I mean, I'm not in love with Brian Snedeker at the moment. Um, but yeah, it, it would be those last two guys on the team. It would be Snedeker and Johnson. ZJ, for reasons you've very verbosely and um, drawn out completely with kind of the, his only reason for being on the team, it comes from um, a tournament from last July. Obviously, that's... It doesn't make any sense. I'm wondering if we're going to be talking in, in two more years if Tiger's going to be screwed over by not getting his, his points from the Safeway Classic when he, he racks up next <laughs> month. <laughs> but, but I mean, ZJ, for obvious reasons, I don't think he obviously I don't think he fits the course well. Um, his form's middling. Snedeker's kind of fallen off of late, but obviously he earned his way on the team. Both of them um, have done what they needed to do in the system as it's set now, so... Uh, those would be the two. Jimmy Walker would be the other one, but I mean, you can't argue with a, a PGA Championship just under a month ago. So, um, but before that, what has he done? So, I mean, it's one week. If he gets hot for one week in uh, the beginning of October, great. And love Jimmy Walker, and sure Dustin will too. Back to what we were just talking about as well with some of those young guys not being in form. It's easy to look look back and forget how bad Patrick Reed's form was going into the 2014 Ryder Cup. You know, and right. and like it really. Form can change so fast, and it, it really is just even with a guy that doesn't have good stats, but leading up into it, um, and I don't, I don't, I think it's too much is made out of, and I say it sometimes too, like the word fire and passion and that stuff. But certain guys, it just matters too more. And again, that's a cle- cheesy cliche that, like, I hate that in football. Like, oh, he just wanted it more than right. the other guy. But I do think there is something to that when it comes to this event. The guys that really thrive in this kind of environment and um, I don't know have you ever like if, again horrible comparisons but like have you ever played like team golf even if like in you know, like a weekend Ryder Cup event or something how much fun is that and how much more competitive and more seriously do you take it you know when you got a teammate and you have a partner I think that, I just think that there is something to it and overall I think your best stroke play players are going to be your best match play players outside of Furyk um, but with that being said I didn't even have a question with all that but I'm transitioning it into this do you think we're safe from Furyk at this point? I want to think yes, just because he he floundered recently and didn't get into this week's tournament. I think just the the overwhelming kind of the, the push for him to be on was kind of predicated upon the fact that he would have at least played up to the point where he makes the picks. And the fact that he kind of just fell short, um, fell flat on his face last week, really, uh, knowing he needed a good showing, wasn't, I mean, I don't think it was the, the death knell for him, but... It should be. I mean, he's he's a captain's pick. We we've all know how terrible he is record wise. Um, there's the experience factor, but then what? I mean, I think you guys were talking about this on one of your earlier podcasts. What experience do you want? Do you want experience of a guy who sucks in the Ryder Cup? I mean, obviously he had that that post that press conference after um, the Phil versus Tom Watson thing where he said, "If we would have figured this shit out a long time ago, we would have been doing better" or something. Don't get me wrong, I'm sure the guy cares. I know, I think he'll be a good captain, a good vice captain, all that other stuff, but I, he, he chokes. He chokes He chokes in Ryder Cups. He doesn't play well. Um, and I know there's there's the other side out there who says kind of there's there's no real good like hard numbers as far as maybe he got outplayed by somebody who shot 64 that day. But you don't get, they don't shoot 64 every time you go out. So win some, and then you'll have a better kind of, Argument at least for him, but I think yeah, I think to answer the question, I think we're we're coming out of the woods on the on the Jim Furyk as a captain's pick thing, which could all just kind of go horribly, horribly wrong on Monday yeah. when he's already on the team. We don't have to worry about 
There's because there's there's zero there's zero chance zero chance he gets picked with that fourth pick. There's no way they can save that pick for somebody who hasn't played in a month. Yeah, I I, I it makes me upset with the people that were willing to put him on the team like after the travelers. Like I, I know it shouldn't, but just this whole attitude of like just just get over it. Put him on the team. He's gonna be on it. It's like like. He didn't even play that badly over this last month to drop off of it. Like that's how people were willing people were to give him, give away a spot to him. And um, it's even guys that I'm friends with. They're like, well, now Love's got his justification for putting him on the team. It's uh-huh. like, come on, I think Davis. I mean, I, I've been pretty hard on Love this whole process, and he hasn't even made any of his picks yet. <laughs> but I think he's capable of putting more thought into it than that. I I honestly can't make a case for him at all, other than the fact that he's a Hall of Fame player. And always going to be one of the best golfers in the world. I guess that that part is a pretty good case. But the fact that you played in nine of these and you have a losing record in eight of them, meaning you have been a negative team member eight out of nine times you've been on this. I don't know how many times you have to fail before you stop doing that. Like, there's a reason we stopped asking like Scott Verplank back on the team and JJ Henry only played well. Like these guys fail and then they're gone. All right. Like I I, I know that comparing those two those their their stroke play careers are much different but um oh it just makes me so frustrated and, and if it i will i'm still going to revolt I, I i part of me likes to think that i've had an influence on this and and <laughs> i'm only kind of kidding when i say that but i think the just riling people up at least a little bit and getting the chatter out there that people are sick of seeing this uh, has to have an impact at least at some level i'm, I'm really not literally saying that i've am impacting the captain's picks but um, enough people agree agree out there. And the only people that were that were making like saying, "Oh, I think he should have a pick." They would like toss in a joke at the end, like, "I'm also European and I want to see him on the team." <laughs> right. so, uh, yeah, I, but I, I mean, there were there were a handful of people um, I think who kind of who kind of pushed back against. Them. And the thing that the bizarre thing about the whole thing is how they always point to the T two at Oakland. And it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's the same deal with with Zach Johnson making the team. Um, that T2 at Oakmont was huge in getting Furyk kind of in that conversation. Uh, and it, not, it doesn't necessarily um, kind of even project anywhere near what's going to be happening at the end of September, beginning of October. Right. But uh, it's, I mean, it's just, it's just that whole argument. It's, he's obviously one of the, I mean, I don't know. He's a Hall of Famer, right? Um, he's going to, he's a great player. He's always going to be a great player. It's just a matter of, I mean, People don't play well at tournaments. Martin Keimer can't make the cut at Augusta. Doesn't mean he's not a great player. Um, it just means there's one event that he doesn't play well in. Jim Furyk does not perform well in the Ryder Cup. It's just a, it's it's. I don't even know if it's an opinion now, if it's much as it's a fact. Fact. You said it, and I, and that's what another thing that just frustrates the hell out of me is like people saying, "Yeah, T two at, at the U.S. Open and shot a 58." It's like, okay, you can't just like if there's ever an event, you can't just like cherry pick the good results. Okay, Justin Thomas finished T three at the Players Championship and shot sixty two the final round of that of that Travelers Championship. Who is including that in their take for why Justin Thomas should be on this team? Nobody, not even me, the biggest Thomas Homer you could find. So, um, all right, let's let's move on a little bit from Furyk and, and picks and let's talk pairings. Uh, first of all, do you get deep into pairings at all? Do you like to mix and match them? Um, I mean, not not especially. I mean, I get. I think it's there's some obvious ones, and then it's just kind of like a, a check and see. I think obviously you got you got Spieth and Reed is the is the go to. Phil um, and anybody I think works. And then I mean I don't I'm not too kind of like I don't go nuts um, with the exception of kind of what happened with Tom Watson. They could just common sense. It's not these guys are good, and they I think you give them a little bit more of uh, here. Azinger talk about it constantly. Just everything he talks about is these guys owned the team. They ran the team. It was their team. They took pride in it. Let them kind of tell you who they're comfortable playing with, and then let them go. The pod system just makes sense. There's a reason why, like, Europe has their pod system. They get guys from England who play with guys from England. You get guys from Spain who play with other guys from Spain. It just makes sense. Common People you're comfortable with allow you to play better golf, and especially when the people you're playing with are good golfers. It's kind of the same deal as when you play with a shitty golfer. You kind of play a little shittier just because you're like watching this guy hacking around. And that obviously isn't going to happen at the Ryder Cup with world-class players, but there is something to be said for being comfortable with who you're playing with. Um, I think Hal Sutton learned that the hard way. <laughs> uh, same thing with Tom Watson. Just let these guys kind of give, hey, hey, I'm Patrick Creed. I'm comfortable playing with speed. 
uncomfortable playing with Snedeker, whatever it may be. Just give them, let them give you a couple guys and then just kind of keep it simple. For some reason, I get the feeling that Spieth doesn't like playing with Reed that much. <laughs> Do you get that at all? I love uh, two years ago, or it might have been the President's Cup, but they're talking about Patrick and they're asking Spieth about things working their dynamic and it's I don't give putts and I just if someone like looks at me I look at Patrick and Patrick shakes his head no and <laughs> I say no that's no good or something like that <laughs> but I, I think I think Reed's like fire and intensity kind of rubs speed a little wrong kind of just outwardly yeah. obviously when they're kind of like in the mix and everything speeds speeds super dialed in and super fired up about it as we saw um, the last couple times they've been paired together in Ryder Cups or President's Cups but I just I think Spieth loves playing with Reed on the course. I don't think he likes answering the questions about playing with Reed. Yeah, and having to explain like how he can kind of like channel that maybe like inner scumbag kind of thing, um, just because it's bad for the brand. Well, he needs a kit. If there's ever an event that they need the killer instinct, I think it's this right. one. But yeah, uh, I, I think I don't think I, obviously I think Spieth has it. I just think he's yeah, less comfortable kind of flaunting it than Reed is. If you're, I'll say, let's say the foursomes of the, and I'm again, I'm stealing this straight from my mailbag, so I've already answered this. But if you've got, if you're sending foursomes out the first match on Friday morning, who are you pairing? Who's sitting? Who, who, what order are you going? Have you thought it through that to that level? And if not, we're going to make you live do it on the air okay. anyway. So, well, I'm definitely sending out Jimmy Walker and Dustin Johnson first. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think I think you got to start with Spieth and Reed every time. Um, if they if they want to go out first, um, and I think. He's, I think Reed's talked about it this past week since his win. Um, he likes going out first and setting a tone. I think those two are just. I think that's why I th- it was. He was on morning drive and he said something like, "If it's not broke, don't fix it. Put me and me and Jordan out. We'll we'll get some momentum. We'll rile the crowd up, or I'll rile the crowd up. Whatever you want to say." Um, I think that works. Obviously, I think Kepka. Um, Wait, can I can I pause you for a second yeah. just because uh, I, I I put this tweet in my mailbag as well, but said. Kyle, what uh, Kyle Porter tweeted something, a quote that was asked, like somebody, Reed was asked what he has in store for the Ryder Cup, and he's like, I can't say. And like he has like a surprise in store. What is he going to do? What, I, I'm nervous. I'm so excited. I'm nervous. What's he going to do? I think he, he's going to release a live bald eagle on the first tee. He's gonna, <laughs> Kessler or whatever, is, his caddy is going to come from underneath those awesome grandstands they have on one, and just maybe like how people do doves at their wedding. He'll have like Baby eagles just take flight. It'll be awesome. People go nuts, and then until they go and pick up some kind of like dog or something nearby. He's gonna like he's gonna come out to an intro song, isn't he? Like he's uh, gonna, be, like uh, Hulk Hogan, I'm a real American. Multi, just a marching band coming through, out of the tunnel. <laughs> like how awesome would that be? He comes out like a majorette, taking one of his golf clubs, twirling it yes. in the air. Be, yeah, and have like a, a World War II or a Civil War reenactment drummer boy out in front of him or something oh my god he has something planned i love it he's got something and it's gonna come out all right so that's your first pairing who's two um yeah i have no idea um (laughs) dj and phil okay Um, just because i know they they play those tuesday games occasionally and i don't think uh we're talking foursomes here i mean there's there's something to be said for pairing like Zach Johnson with a, a, a Kepka or a, a probably Zach Johnson and Jimmy Walker look like they just make sense on their faces. Just a guy who hits it far, a guy who supposedly wedges it well, or at least he did last year at St Andrews. So um, I think Walker, Zach Johnson, Phil, DJ, Spieth, Reed, um, kind of just what that leaves Brooks and uh, Sneds. Yeah, I mean I'm not in love with that one, but I think. I think Brooks gets paired with with a Fowler, assuming there's no other kind of a conflicts there. <laughs> some gripes with Florida State uh, cleat chasers, and we're good. <laughs> I, I just completely projected that. I have no idea if that's what Tron's talking about, but <laughs> the only thing I know is they went to Florida State. So that's, that's yeah. That. I'm assuming it has something to do with that as well. <laughs> that's fair, but I think uh, I'm looking at guys that I don't want playing four ball. And so I, I penciled in Sneds and ZJ together. Uh, they played together, I think, once in 2012 and one, if I remember right, I could, I could be. No, you know, I don't, I don't think they did play together in 2012. But anyways, ZJ went 2-0 and at Medina, uh, and I'm cherry-picking that stat and ignoring the two away uh, um, Ryder Cup teams that he played on where he didn't fare so well in foursomes. But I think if you got those two on the team, you're probably sending them out there in foursomes and not four ball. 
and you're letting your bombers and your your birdie guys go out in four ball. Maybe I'm mis- misinterpreting the strategy of that, but um, I, I think you know it, in in case they do take flyer on Berger or any anyone like that for those final spots, I think they're sending them out four ball. There's just more pressure, I think, that comes in foursomes. If there's ever a time when when experience pays off, it may be in foursomes. I don't know. Um, so I'm going. I'm sending them out last, and I'm going Reed Spieth first as well. Then I threw Kepka and DJ together. I think those those are guys I want to rely on. Those are guys I want playing potentially four matches if they're playing well, and I'm planning on playing them three. Um, and then Phil and Fowler, I think, makes a lot of sense to play together as well. They, they they're paired together on Tuesdays a lot, and uh, so that that would leave like Kucher, um, Bubba and Walker, and then whoever that final pick is going to be. Uh, who, am I, or who am I leaving off here? I'm forgetting somebody. If I'm, okay. giving, if I'm giving it to Kucher, Bubba, Fowler, oh, I guess I, okay, yeah, that, that final guy. Whoever that final guy yeah. is, is going to play in your four ball, I think. So, And it's probably going to be J.B. Holmes from what it sounds like. So, um, yeah, I, but again, my four I'm riding with for, uh, for planning, on, planning on minimum three and if playing well four – uh, Reed, Spieth, Kepka, DJ, Phil. I don't think wants to play four matches. I think he'll play three. I'm fine seeing him out there for three, and then those remaining five guys I'm filling in, uh, or remaining seven guys I'm filling in with, uh, you know, playing the hot hands as it goes along. So, yeah, I think um, I think you got to ride your horses. Um, like you mentioned there with DJ, Spieth, Reed, Phil. Kind of, I think Phil will be a three guy, and then he'll sit out a foursomes match just because. I mean, I I know Phil. He cares and all that other stuff, but I mean, do we really trust Phil when you're playing alternate shot with Phil Mickelson if he's going to be anywhere on the planet? I mean, he was—he hit a ball like down a subdivision during the PGA. He hit it like off the course and like down a side street that Gary McCord used to drive down. And it's fun to watch and it's really enthralling. But I don't know if I'm, I'm comfortable being the guy who has to hit Phil's second shot. <laughs> That's uh, I don't I don't I don't have his uh, his foursomes record in front of me, but I feel like he's played a lot, and that could be one of the weakness one of his weaknesses. He's got a, not a great team record at all in, in the Ryder Cup, so maybe I'm making a mistake counting him in for four ball. But he's going to be boisterous, and he's going to want to he's going to want to play. And he's I he's surprised me. He's second on tour tour this year in strokes game putting. Yeah. Like he has really putted his ass off this year. So, and the thing you remember most about the putt he missed was. Uh, Vaughn Taylor at Pebble, he missed a six footer, hitting it up and down from off the front of the green. Yeah, but he's but he's, but he's putted his his brains out every other every other week. And I don't even think that counts uh, the British Open in those in those <laughs> right. gain stats. So, uh, right. last question, I'll let you off on what if you could change anything about the current system, what would you change? Points, qualifying, number of picks, anything? I think we. I mean, I have no problem with. Uh, I think we it should either be completely. This is going to be completely off the map. So just. Yeah. Per- and I have no real um, thought process. I'm just going to talk it through. It should be 12 automatic qualifiers or 12, just pick them. If we want to do um, automatic qualifiers, just if you make the team, you make the team. It's it's merit-based. Um, this is a terrible take. I have no reason for this. Uh, or just or just play like the good old boys network. Have, uh, have Davis Love pick his favorite guys. And I mean, you'll get the camaraderie. You might not get like the best, hottest players, but there'll be there'll be some kind of pressure in terms of getting the players who are playing the best. So I think the point system or some kind of system will have to be kind of installed to have some kind of backup or rationalization thing. But why not just uh, simplify the point system? And now, uh, don't at me for that. <laughs> no one's left listening. This is like an hour <laughs> in. So. Um, I think... I, I, well, at least... I'll, I, don't, I don't have a great answer other than I think... like I, would, I actually would split your idea in half. I'd say six automatic. And the six automatic should just be like a cinch. There should be no debate on it. Like... I think there's two guys on the team that I wouldn't have on my team that automatically qualified. I don't. I think I think Love would have taken ZJ anyways. I don't think he would have taken Sneds. Um, and I just don't think a captain should be saddled with you know eight guys that he didn't necessarily pick. I mean, I, I don't think anyone can qualm with anyone that like finished in the top six. And um, so I, I just would like a better measure that shows your consistency at beating your peers, right? And you know, having a pretty mediocre season and then winning a major that gets you three, t- basically three times as many points, um, it just doesn't. That's not a, the best system for qualification, if you ask me. And I just don't think it identifies the best players. So I'd rather be have it be six automatic that just like more of a. Stro- I don't know if strokes gained is the answer because, like I said, there's some terms that don't even measure it, but um, something that shows that consistency over the course of a year. 
much better than, you know, points from the 2015 Masters that was all like, you know, 18 months ago. So uh, that's the direction I would go. I do like the, the, the transition they've made. I think they're stepping in the right direction with at least saving one of the picks off the Tour Championship, having four captain's pits, et cetera. So I, it's, not, it's not completely broken in my mind, but I think it could be done better, of course. So. Yeah, I think, there's, I think it's the same thing could be said for Europe, too, with their points list and all the other stuff, how, how Russell Knox got left off. Um, I mean, there's – but then what else will we talk about and complain about exactly. for, for yeah. a year and a half leading up to it? Yeah, and we we basically bypassed talking anything Europe, which is fine. I'm fine right. with that. <laughs> so yep. we're uh, we're flying the American flag here. So, all right, Chris Cheney, kept you for an hour. Thank you so much for your time. Um, where can we find your stuff? Uh, yeah, so swing by swing golf swing by swing um, is the site I run, and on Twitter at wrong underscore fairway. Uh, we know where to find you, and we will be. I'm sure you'll be tweeting a live storm during the Ryder Cup. And uh, thanks for giving us an hour. And uh, we'll get. Uh, I, I'm expecting to see some uh, some fire breathing from you as well when the picks actually do come through next week. So I won't let you down, Sully. <laughs> Till next time, later, buddy. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. <laughs> <laughs>